today, the Biden administration is working on vaccine passports and the murder trial of Derek Chauvin, who knelt on George Floyd's neck, starts today. We've got a lot of updates for you today, and it starts right now. Welcome to the News and White Matters. I'm Sarah Gonzalez. It is Monday. Whew. It is Monday. I'm joined today by Eric July, Blaze TV contributor. Mm -hmm. Thanks for being here. Also joined by Caleb Bonham, political commentator. Thank you for being here as well. Uh, welcome from the craziness of Austin. Austin. Yeah, I, I still... Trying to make it normal. Who That's wants fair. it to be weird? That's fair. That's. I mean, I could I'm stand a with a little bit of weirdness, but like they've <laughs> taken it kind of to the the far end of that spectrum. I'm ready for them to dial it back down a little bit. Uh, all right, let's get to the headlines of the day. So the Biden administration has partnered with um, companies, including, I believe, IBM, which, hmm, check your history on that one, uh, to develop a vaccine passport, which would track Americans who have been vaccinated for COVID-19, give them access to businesses, events, and travel. Uh, they, uh, yeah, they said that the effort has gained momentum amid President Joe Biden's pledge that the nation will start to regain normalcy. Now, this is weird because I had just heard Joe, good old Joe, say that um, we were going to get back to normal by July 4th. I didn't hear any mention of a vaccine passport in order to do that. Um, but now uh, they're talking about the vaccine passport. And there are, let's see, at least 30 percent of Americans who, quote, probably or, quote, definitely don't plan on getting a coronavirus vaccine, according to a recent Pew Research study. Um, my question is, since they've come out and already said about this particular vaccine that, it, you know, they, they keep moving the goalposts on this and they say, well, hold on. Um, it doesn't actually keep you from getting the virus. It just keeps you from it lessens your symptoms, basically. So wouldn't the vaccinated people be a risk to the unvaccinated people instead of the unvaccinated people being a risk to the vaccinated people? So why would we need vaccine passports in order to gain your life back uh, in the public sphere? What am I missing here, Eric? Well, I mean, it doesn't sound much like a conspiracy anymore. These were some of the things that I knew were, were going to happen. Mm -hmm. I'd been talking about it even here on the show. And about, you were called a conspiracy yes, theorist. Yes, I was called a conspiracy theorist mm -hmm. because I would say this is sort of how they're going this to. This is what they're going to do. This is exactly what they're going to do. And you have to look at who has who, why so many of these, like, whether it be pharmaceutical companies when it comes to the vaccine, are here when you're going to have tech companies and so forth that are going to be involved, they have the most to gain in a situation like this. So they have no problem working with the government. The government lines them up with X amount of millions of dollars, says, hey, help us with this. Well, and of course, it's going to be overpriced because they can do that because they're taxing you or they're selling assets of unborn people. And then here you go. You got vaccine passports. Look, these people will never admit that they initially got it wrong. So what they'll have to do is continue to kick the can down the road while also, unfortunately, intruding on the freedoms of individuals within, let's say, um, uh, America. But that in itself right there, which is effectively a papers, please paper citizen yeah. situation uh, that we have right now. The fact that that was one of the main things that I would talk about. And that was one of the main things that got me called a conspiracy theorist. And to see that come into fruition in the way that it that it has right now is certainly something to to behold like this is incredible because what they're going to do or attempt to do is they're going to attempt to leverage these businesses 
and say, hey, you guys need to be enforcing these rules. I, I doubt it comes so directly like where it's on the in, individual citizens, where it's like you have to get this. Yeah. Right. I think it's more so we'll leverage the businesses. Yeah. The, the, we'll essentially force them to have to do it and then the businesses are like well if we don't do it they'll take away a license or do whatever they have to do so we're going to require you to have to have this vaccine or proof of whether it be this passport or what have you in order to enter this place of business this sort of public area that's what we're probably going to to, to, to run into so effectively they can kind of dance around and say well look we didn't really mandate they, yeah. a vaccine, you having a vaccine passport having to get around it no we just forced it to where effectively that's exactly what it is well it's these non-tax base uh, uh public partnerships with you know yes. private companies yep. yes and and we saw we've seen a lot happen since january 2020 and the biggest factor has been people's behavior you know people still drive the economy the government can come up with these regulations but if the people stand up and say this is too far this is ridiculous I'm looking, if you take a look at a recent YouGov poll, uh, starting in March of 2020, Texans were wearing their masks at roughly 92 to 93% uh, consistently. And you saw rates go from non-existent to peaking and back down, while mask usage really just fluctuated by a point or two. Mm. So what you saw there is this science, this concept that, hey, masks are the best mitigation strategy. It's not, it wasn't backed up by the usage here in Texas. So you, but you take that and you, you look at how many people are still, I was out running in the woods the other day. Lady is wearing a mask, running alone, where, where literally you're not coming in contact with people. <laughs> And and uh, and, my, and during, while you're running, I just like to point out you do need oxygen. <laughs> exactly, exactly. It's yeah. the whole point. Yeah. <laughs> and so when it comes to this passport concept, you know, it's not just this is where conservatives have a tough time defending some of the the tech issues now because yes. it's not just a private business issue it's not just a government overreach issue it's how they're both working in collaboration not through some synchronized uh, uh, memo that's going out but through the messaging that, that they're the government is out there saying something and the businesses are so concerned about taking a stand and saying no we're going to behave rationally we're going to open this up we're going to we're going to strive to have a functioning economy again instead of waiting back afraid to be sued afraid to have government come in and, and tell them that they're doing something wrong and, and find them um, and and the people if they're seeing businesses that are refusing to go down that direction it's literally becoming a grassroots effort now mm -hmm. they're gonna have to have people stand up and say enough with the nonsense if you're gonna go this direction we're going a different direction yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, well governor Ron DeSantis uh, tends to agree with you guys he says that he will be taking executive action against the idea of a vaccine passport here is governor DeSantis you want the fox to guard the hen house? I mean, give me a break. I think this is something that has huge privacy implications. It is not necessary to do. You know, we're going to have hit three and a half million seniors that have gotten shots uh, uh, sometime this week, likely 75% of seniors. It's important to be able to do it. But at the same time, uh, we are not going to have you provide proof of this just to be able to live your life normally. And I'm going to be taking some action in, in an executive function, emergency function here very shortly. You got to wonder if he is uh, gearing up for 2024, if he has any political, higher political aspirations than governor, because God, I hear him and I'm like, 
Okay, you're doing all the right things. Um, and then now later in the program, we'll talk about Christy Noem and uh, her little blunder with all of the with the uh, transgender sports bill that she said that she was not going to sign and the optics of that. So she was a front runner. DeSantis was a front runner. DeSantis remains a front runner, I think, because he has been so consistently good when it comes to freedom uh, in the days of COVID. Yeah, and uh, it's funny how when you be an actual, I don't know, libertarian and let people do what the hell they want they need to be able to do people generally like that sort of stuff but often republicans as i always say campaign like libertarians and govern like democrats <laughs> so i want people so to pick true. that stuff up where look this is about people having the freedom to choose which is ironic because generally the pro-choice uh, <laughs> uh, side of things seems to be as well as the anti-police side seems to be pro stick the police on you if you don't cover your face as well as pro stick the police on you when you have a gun um, or the kind of gun that they don't like. But we just want people to have the option to make a decision for themselves. This is a simple thing and it's so bizarre that it's manifested itself in the way that it has to where I'm like, am I the crazy one? No, of course not, I'm not the crazy one. Where if you want to, I think you look it's silly, man, to be walking around with a diaper on your face 24 seven, I think that's silly. But if you want the freedom to do it, whatever, man. <laughs> like that's that's the, all I'm saying is give people the option. Unfortunately, what you have with the opposite side, which is basically Santa said, do whatever you want. The opposite side is like, no, you must be forced to do what it is that I exactly. want you to do. And obviously, that's going to create some sort of issues. But if you just give people the option, let the other folks that are going to gripe and complain, crying mm -hmm. to the abyss, like, oh, you're not for like with Texas. For three weeks, for three weeks now, right? Yep. And the sky hasn't fallen uh, since you know we supposedly opened up uh, near near 100 percent capacity. We're not caving. People aren't dying on right. the streets, and now they'll they'll shut up after a while. Just let people get on with their life. Well, they're trying to save face. They're trying to not be embarrassed and 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 admit that a lot of the states that are just governed by red leadership mm -hmm. have maybe done things a little differently and seen better you know results. The it's it's getting down to people don't like admitting that they were wrong, oh, yeah. even if it betters society. And you take a look at that from HOAs that are still requiring people to use their facilities to wear gloves and limiting oh, it to two gosh. people. It's because our society is governed by fear. Yeah. Mm, and it's absolutely. been governed by fear for a long time. When you take a look at the government telling people what to do, it goes back a long time. I mean, one of the biggest problems that we're facing economically is what's about to really have some difficulties is Social Security. That's put into place mm -hmm. to try to protect, uh, you know, essentially say you guys are adults and you can't behave like adults, so we're going to force you to behave like adults. And it's the same thing with masks. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, there should absolutely be choice. Um, you know, the notion that this is, you know, the same as the, the pro-choice arguments on the other side. It's, it's completely different. Yeah. Mm. Adults should be allowed to govern as, uh, their lives as adults. And that's what really creates a thriving society. And again, I would just like to point out for those of you who say, yes, but you don't have the right to get other people sick. Well, here's the thing. Uh, it's kind of a contract with society. When you walk out into the public sphere, you put yourself at risk for many, many, many things. It's the way we've always done things. That does not stop because there is a virus that acts similarly to the flu. <laughs>
Yeah. It just doesn't. No, that's been, just we've not been doing that since the beginning we've been of time. Doing right? it that way for forever. It's not going to change because the government has convinced you to be super duper scared of this particular virus. Um, before we go to break, let's also hit uh, Jen Psaki made an interesting comment. We're talking about coronavirus and, uh, you know, we're talking about the vaccine passports. Well, Jen Psaki was asked during her press briefing today uh, about the president and vice president's travel amid the coronavirus pandemic. And of course, the CDC guidelines that say, hey, you should not be doing any non-essential travel well. I'm sure you guys will be shocked to hear that Jen Psaki has uh, she has an extenuating circumstance for the president and vice president where they uh, listen. They're not like the peasants. okay? they have their own private travel. Watch. Well, I would say the the president travels, as does the vice president, on a private plane. Um, That is the purview of every president and vice president throughout American history. Uh, That is, of course, different than traveling on a commercial flight and going to mass events. As you know, we don't, the president is not hosting rallies, nor is the the vice president. We take uh, the role of um, sending, being models uh, quite seriously. Uh, But I think most Americans would recognize the difference. Which is why, of course, Jen Psaki, who is standing, I believe, on federal property, is she not, even though there is a mask mandate on federal property, which is why she goes out there every day with no mask on, which is why Joe Biden didn't have his mask on right after he gave the executive order, nor did any of his family. And this was extended family, not just people who live directly with him. But I mean, please, they're they're not hypocritical. That's a that's a great point. You know, when you take a look at the masks and how they behave and uh, all the transitions of them walking back and forth and maskless people behind and they're praising the reporter that goes after Ted Cruz for not wearing a mask while giving a speech. But nobody would dare say that to her ever, you know, but the president flying, you know, maybe call me a crazy conservative, but I tend to believe that the office of the president is a little bit more important than any office that I hold. And he should probably whether, you know, they're telling Americans to stop traveling he probably should still be traveling. Um, but yeah, they, they catch but, okay, themselves but, time and time again. Yeah, because so let me ask you this then, because I feel like she could have, if that's the case, level with the American public and say, look, he's the president of the United States. He has really important work to do and he's got to get there somehow. Yeah. Right. And and we're trying to mitigate that as best we can by making sure that he tra- he travels private. But to just be like, well, I mean, it's not it doesn't count as non-essential travel because they're flying private. Unlike you peasants, it's just kind of like just level with us and tell us you think that he has too important. I wish work you were more blunt with us. Yeah. Tell right. us like, oh, why does he travel? Well, because his job is more important than yours. Right. Next question. Because I mean, you're still traveling and you're still going to events where you're going to come in contact with people. Just level with us. Well, this whole thing has been symbolism. It's been symbolism anyway. I mean, that's the mask and everything else, them doing it in front of the cameras. And, you know, we've seen so much footage of people off camera when they think they're off camera, taking it off and all sorts of things. All of that stuff is symbolism anyway. But I'd make the argument, though, that don't just apply to presidents. We've seen this apply to mayors, uh, governors and, and what have you, where they the rules don't apply to them. That's sort of the benefit that you get from the government. It's probably why I hate them. And, and it, <laughs> Event that they get to basically that's what it allows them to do where you are the peasant and whatever rules that they make does not apply to them so they get to go to the french laundry and eat and do whatever it is that they want while also having things in play to say you can't do that it ain't just with with important work rather they do that with everything because they understand that those rules don't necessarily apply to them and that's why i hate the state 
Uh, well, that was a nice way to uh, summarize that, Eric. Again, I, every every time I talk to Eric, I'm like, are you just, do you just stay in this constant state of like, been trying to tell you guys this for several years, yeah. now you finally see it. Do you believe me yet? COVID, COVID accelerated uh, yeah, a lot of people. Like all yeah. of his libertarian yeah, positions. It, absolutely. Constantly. Absolutely. <laughs> all right, we got more to come first. We want to thank our sponsor, Built Bar. Uh, in case you have not tried Built Bar yet, Built Bar is a protein bar, but it's not just a protein bar. It is like it tastes like a candy bar. It is the most delicious protein bar you will ever eat, especially for those of you who are chocoholics like me. It's made from 100% real chocolate, and it's actually, it's really quality chocolate, which I think is how they make it taste so good. But they're low in calories, low in carbs, high in protein, high in fiber. Um, and if you're looking in your pantry or at work or wherever for some sort of a snack in the middle of the day because you're getting hungry, you're going to reach for the candy bar if you don't have built Bars in your life. You're going to thank me later. We have heard from so many of you out there who have been enjoying your Built Bars. And I mean, I keep seeing podcast reviews and everyone's like, we love the Built Bars, which is great. <laughs> I'm sure Built Bar is really loving it. I'm glad you guys like it so much. So if you have not yet tried them yet, they come in a bunch of different flavors. So you got to go check them out. Pick your favorite flavor. Try a box or two or three. Or, I mean, just just stock up on a lifetime supply because you're going to love them. Go to BuiltBar.com. Use promo code NEWS15. You'll get 15% off of your next order. It is NEWS15 at B-U-I-L-T Bar.com. Back in a minute. The South Dakota House voted again to pass a bill banning biological males from women's sports. Now, this was a rejection of Governor Kristi Noem's style and form veto. Uh, so they have sent it back to her desk. This was a 67 to 2 vote. Uh, and they're waiting for her signature, rejecting changes she proposed that critics, of course, said would gut the bill. Now, this is, if, in case you guys have not been paying attention, uh, this is how this kind of shook out. So uh, the bill passed. Christy Nome said on International Women's Day, I believe it was, of all the days, that she was very excited to pass it. Uh, it would be, of course, banning transgender males from women's sports. And she said she was excited to pass it, uh, or I'm sorry, excuse me, to sign it, and then spoke with some outside influences, the Chamber of Commerce, and came back and said, you know what, I'm not here to get us caught up in a court battle that we can't win, so could you guys please change this? And, you know, again, people say effectively gut it and uh, send it back to me and then I'll sign it. So she was hit for the optics of that because you certainly don't go out and say, I'm going to sign this, I can't wait to sign it, I'm so excited, and then say, oh, you know what, I changed my mind. Could you guys change it around a little bit before you sign it? But uh, the, uh, the state legislature is telling her it is time to sign it. Uh, here is a tweet from GOP State Representative Fred Deutsch. Vote to pass the governor's style and form veto on fairness for women's sports bill. Fails 2 to 67. The bill now goes back to the governor for her to either sign or veto. House believes her style and form is unconstitutional. Um, now, th this is not the first state that we've seen 
put this forth. I believe it was Alabama who just recently got a bill through that is banning uh, transgenders in women's sports. So this is kind of this is popping up in different states. Uh, and I mentioned the last segment, Christy Nome, she was doing all the right things in South Dakota as far as handling the pandemic. People started talking of her being a front runner. And then this happens. And so we have yet to see if she is going to actually sign it. But certainly her blaming what she said, conservative cancel culture, probably not a very good look for her uh, as far as conservatives are concerned. I, I'm not sure that you can uh, say conservative cancel culture is a thing. Yeah, I, I, I didn't. I haven't. I'm just being completely transparent. I haven't read the bill and I've always said that I was going to do it. Because I, I can understand a case being made in which it seems like an overreach here. And this is why I've always talked about the focus being rather, if we're talking about actually gutting something, the funding mm -hmm. <laughs> of a lot of these institutions, generally universities and what have you, and, and public schools that would allow, let's say, something like this to, to, to happen. I think that's the more like the, the approach and why, hey, look, Unfortunately, what, when we do stuff like this, we're, we're trying to address like the, the, the symptom more so instead of the actual problem. You see, a lot of people have been talking about and rightfully so um, uh, nowadays because of COVID exposed a lot of things wrong with the public education system as well as, uh, you know, universities and what have you. And the fact that you fund in effectively with your tax dollars institutions, you don't fund the student. Right. So unfortunately, there's no situation where which it should be where you can fund just like oh y'all gonna allow let's say transgendered athletes to compete against my daughter i don't want to go to your school or something and i'd rather go to the school that allows me to compete with other schools that is just having a rules that say i can only compete against other girls and men have to compete against uh, other men biological men against men that to me seems way more effective that's me making a better argument for her, though, because I haven't heard her say anything like that. Right. <laughs> I haven't heard her or any of the GOP members say, say anything like that. And unfortunately, that's what we're that's what we're dealing with. with that problem, as well as a lot of different issues. Is everything wants to address the symptom. Everything wants to address what the all right, we, we saw that now a problem got created, but we're not a, getting to the root of it to actually rid it. And what we dealing with, right, what we are, excuse me, dealing with right now when it comes to public education, as well as university. And I say this as a former collegiate athlete. I've been there, done that. The problem is, is that these institutions get to do whatever the hell it is that they want to, uh, whether it be the NCAAs of the world, whether it be UIL, that's Texas stuff, um, or whatever. They get to do whatever it is that they want to because you are not funding, you're funding them, essentially. Right. You're not funding the student, which will allow the schools that are, that are housing these competitions or what have you to actually have to compete with each other. And I'm willing to bet that most parents are like, I probably don't want my daughter competing against biological men. And we see the market sort of manifest itself and, and do what it is that it needs to do to make sure that happens. But this is addressing the symptoms. So I'm making a better argument for Christy right now, but I know she's not making that argument. <laughs> Caleb. I'm surprised that it got this far. Yeah. You know, a bill being drafted, the governor's office is aware of what's being put into that bill and, and yeah. how it's being presented and where it's going. I mean, I've worked in those offices, you know, yeah. seeing that bill creation process and her statement that wasn't a spontaneous statement mm -hmm. so obviously something happened from when that bill was being drafted proposed mm -hmm. and had the governor's support 
to now. Mm -hmm. And I'm not going to sit here and say that it's completely um, unreasonable for her to switch a position. And it, I'm not going to say that it's an outside force. I know that I've heard some of the stuff about um, the gentleman on the chamber that's associated with the NCAA and all mm -hmm. that. I don't know where that came from. It can come from an internal office, from legal advising a new strategy. And I, I've listened to her explain some of this, and I think she's proven herself as a conservative that doesn't fold to outside pressure. And I think that is something that we should grant her uh, an understanding there. Um, I've heard her talk about why this bill changed and that she wants to build coalitions. She wants, she wants to avoid case law and setting up a long-term problem for this. This is a real issue for conservatives, for conservatives that want to stay, stand strong on really what is the most fundamental issue of humanity, which is there are two options. You're a man yeah. or you're a woman. There ain't nothing else. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And and so for her to sit back and take an approach that's maybe a little more thoughtful, I don't know what the, the outcome is going to be. I think a 67 to 2, um, sending it back to her desk, she's responsible to passing some of that yeah. stuff. You yeah. can't uh, uh, unilaterally just say, no, I'm going to do what I want. Um, she is, has constituents, and she is responsible for uh, uh, you know implementing what the constituents want. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So I don't know what's going to go, but right. I do like that there's a conservative looking to take a smarter approach. Yeah. Uh, I mean, so let's talk about the, this issue, because, again, I think it's something that is popping up in more and more states. Um, Eric, you think just always free market, always free market. Always. Approach yeah. because, well, yes. but, but let me ask yes. you this, because you've got, you know, let's say a the female athletes yes. who are looking for an NCAA scholarship mm -hmm. who may not get it if they go to a school with you know, uh, the NCAA, yeah, right? Like they will only allow these these schools to have these rules. Yep. So it still feels like girls are forced to, you know, like just kind of say, well, I guess I can't get a scholarship because I want to go it to a unfair. school with NCAA funding. It is unfair, absolutely. And I want to be very ab abundantly clear. Like mm -hmm. that is unfair. Yeah. And I, this is why I had been speaking so much against this whole moronic idea that treats men and women as if they are the the, the same yeah. as if someone that didn't biologically that was a biological man transitions into a woman wouldn't have advantages and i say this because i came from you know my collegiate sport was track and field that's right. the sport arguably that's going to get impacted yes. the most yes. um uh, uh, from this 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 buffoonery so i i have to acknowledge that it absolutely is unfair and unfortunately it does allow, and this is why I think two things can be true, it does set up a scene to where that may be a case. Someone that probably should have gotten the scholarship maybe gets misses out on it because someone else that was a biological male that just blows the doors off of them ends up getting it. And this is why I'm talking about the fundamental issues, not just with the NCAA, but the state and their, them being involved. Why that is, even is a thing is silly to me, NCAA uh, it being a thing, but... That's why I'm saying two things can be true. Yeah, that that's an unfair thing. But this is why I want to always get to the root of the problem. And I don't think there's enough conversations to be had. You know, I, I, there are more conversations because I think it more is attributed to COVID than that situation. Well, people are looking at how we fund these schools and these institutions. And, and, and there's something fundamentally incorrect with it why does my money not follow my student or my, my son or my daughter why does that money not follow why is it going so much is going on the time when, when it comes to ncaa a lot of that is the state being over not the state the federal government being involved in the grant and loan business and all of that and they just right. you know they it's they're getting way too much money and this is why if you want to know why you spend so much for college 
look no further than the federal government get mm -hmm. involved in the Gretton loan business mm -hmm. and inflating the cost. Believe it or not, it used to be more affordable. Mm -hmm. But that's an entirely different problem is more so what I'm trying to say. Yeah. So I want the market to prevail. But if we keep addressing the symptoms, then we don't ever get to the root of the problem. OK, that makes sense. Uh, and by the way, I think that I I think that I misremembered the Alabama bill that I was thinking of was um, the puberty blockers, that they were banning puberty blockers for uh, for children as far as it. Mm. it but it just uh, OK. OK, last word on this, Caleb. Uh, <laughs> It just this seems to be taking up so much of our time in all of these yeah. states if for such a t I mean, it's a tiny fraction of people yeah, that we're talking stupid. about. And yeah. they have managed to take up won the so much space. Battle. Yes. The, How? The, the PR battle. And it gets down to like, I'm really on a big kick of you got to stand up and speak out. Yeah. You got to stand up and speak out. The left has all of the celebrities. They have all of the, the, the people that are out there speaking up about it. You know, if if we don't have people stand up, it's getting to the point. And I don't want to be cynical, but I don't know where else conservatives go. We have been talking about these issues as long as I've been alive, mm -hmm. as long as I can remember. And it's becoming increasingly out of our hands and we're losing it in a variety of different ways. Um, and I think that is largely because there's a lot of conservatives in the NBA. Yeah. There's a lot of conservatives in the NFL It's because when they stand up and do something like and I love him like Drew Brees, and he just has, makes a simple statement, and he's you know, talked about from every single side, and he says, look, I don't know or care what your position is on that statement, but it shows that any sort of conservative-leaning belief, if you make a public stance about it, and you have your, God's gifted you with a position of leadership, mm -hmm. and you fold, you're doing so because you know something else is at risk. Your contract, your, your Twitter followers, your money, whatever that may be. And so it really is step up or shut up for conservatives that are in public leadership positions. Because this country still has 73, 74 million conservatives that believe in a lot of what we believe in. We saw that this past November, at the least that opposed what is going on now. And, you know, that's not enough. We need people with loud voices to stand up and give us a little bit of a, l a little bit of a shield yeah. culture i told you that's what that's the where the battles won how many times have i made yeah. that case yeah yeah <laughs> well um yeah and by the way uh, we do need more than 74 million because you know we don't know when they're going to try to fortify an election. How are we supposed to know that? All right. We, we've got uh, the murder trial uh, having to do with the George Floyd when we come back. The, of course, high-profile murder trial of former Minneapolis police officer Derek Chauvin uh, begins. It began today, started today in Minneapolis, of course. Uh, he is accused of unintentional second-degree murder, third-degree murder, and manslaughter in connection with the death of George Floyd. Uh, I know that this was a very long, drawn-out process as far as picking jurors, the jury selection, and the trial is expected to last four weeks. Uh, city and state leaders have prepared for widespread protests and demonstrations throughout the course of the trial. Uh, and the courthouse is basically a fortress at this point. It has concrete barriers, barbed wire, and increased police presence. Um, 
So in order to prove a second degree murder charge, because this is the thing about this case that has really always struck me, um, prosecutors will need to prove that Chauvin was committing felony assault on George Floyd, which will require proof that his actions in subduing Floyd were objectively unreasonable and outside the scope of his authority as a police officer. They will also have to prove that his actions were a substantial causal factor in his death. Now, you know, there was an autopsy uh, report that said that his fentanyl intoxication and methamphetamine use really made his death more likely. Um, And I mean, to me, this is just me being a little bit of a conspiracy theorist. So take it for what you will. It feels a lot like they want to trump up the charges Get knowing that they cannot meet that criteria and use that as an excuse to start the freaking riots again because they know how that will be perceived by all of these people who went and wreaked havoc on uh, American cities. We've seen this time and time again where you get just prosecutors getting cocky and (laughs) going going uh, for the moon, if you yeah. will, instead of sticking to what they can absolutely prove. But I, think, now, I, but I feel like this is an intentional, intentional thing. It could yeah. be. It's a legal strategy. It, it so could be. The, yeah. more, the, the, the last charge was originally um, not on. Right. And yeah, they added generally, it when you have a jury that you know this uh, uh, main charge is going to be difficult to attain, which it is, mm-hmm. they added additional charge knowing that the jury may go in there and say, we can't... Uh, agree okay. with all of the elements of this first charge but we can say that it was the lesser charge so it's like a compromise it's a com- it, they're trying to add more to it so that if the first one fails the second Which one is more may than succeed. likely what's going to happen mm-hmm. i mean uh, now again optics is a real thing as well that yeah. they're going to have to worry about because i don't know how that's going to go with the general public because they'll probably look at it as well we we should have gotten real first degree for for that matter but second degree should have been able to be proven blah 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 racism here we go breaking mm-hmm. windows and doing mm-hmm. all sorts of stupid stuff so hopefully that doesn't get to that point um and again i thought that's what i figured it was um certainly in in their area where if they can't get that first one they can still have those second those, those second and third ones um, sticks to basically lesser the degree of, of the actual charge yeah. so that they can at least get him for something and he doesn't just walk away uh, scot-free, which um, we'll see what happens. But to your point, it's more of an optics thing mm-hmm. because that doesn't mean that that's going to get the general public to calm down. Hell, they could see the second degree and be like, well, no, it, it should have stuck just right. because it was the higher charge. Right. And then they go and act the fool. Mm-hmm. We've well, seen it happen before. Yeah. And it's frustrating because it's like so they're already expecting for these protests to last throughout the course of the trial. Like, can we not wait and see the facts come out before oh, we care. No, we can't do that. We can't do that in this day and age. I Nobody guess. seemed to care about the whole truth coming out in, in June of last year. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, it was a tragic. It's always tragic when somebody loses their life. And but it's, you know, that's why when that original video got leaked, you know, it's almost as if people are saying, come on, there's more to this story than just a clear cut right. racist cop looking to murder a black man. You know, there's a lot more to this story. And. As you start to see this unfold, I think, unfortunately, um, the black community is being used in some way to advance a narrative because, you know, these charges, may, there may have been a, a better rate of success and cultural change within police enforcement had the tactic been, look, we need to approach this from making actual long lasting changes that help 
people and and prevent police abuse and prevent police corruption. Mm. But instead, you know, it became this, we got to, we got to get Chauvin. We got to get all these guys fired. And I don't know enough of, you know, there's been a lot that has been done, but I just hope that in this case, that it is taken seriously on both sides, that it doesn't become some political football for either side, Mm. that it's not being used to try to advance one's political you know, beliefs and is actually being used to limit police violence, limit, you know, how uh, uh, people, you know, but also enforce laws Mm. and have a fair uh, judicial system and process. Yeah, unfortunately, that's just not how these guys operate. I mean, (laughs) it's um, very true. uh, Yeah, Yeah. it's unfortunately they're illogical. Um, And even, you know, again, I've (laughs) gotten in trouble here uh, saying a lot of things against uh, the institution, you know, <laughs> when we talk about police here and people don't like what I have to say about them, which I'm fine with. You know, that's perfectly fine. But in order to solve an actual problem, to your point, you have to address it with some sort of honesty. You have to look at it for what it actually is, not what you want it to be. And then you have to assess it from here, there. And this is why the subject, whether it be a police brutality, almost never gets solved because what they do is look at it from what they want. It's like they have a social preference or a social belief. Mm -hmm. It needs to fit the bill. It fits, uh, what is it, the whole saying round, whole square peg or vice versa or whatever. They're going to try to make it fit, even if it doesn't. This is why you've seen in the past, these guys will make martyrs out of people that have just utter scumbags and and what have you that have done something that that was uh, objectively wrong or something like that because they're so busy trying to like paint this particular narrative and to me i don't think to for definitely when it even comes to that size that unfortunately we're using black people are using uh uh, uh george floyd as as their political football unfortunately i don't think it's actually police brutality or any of those issues that they want to solve mm-hmm. well and you're i, I think you're I'm right I, I think you know you take a look back at what happened with the race driven oj uh mm-hmm. trial okay mm-hmm. and 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 here's a case that was really divided among racial lines at the time but now 20 some years later anybody that looks at that case in depth and says oj you know uh uh, i know he was found innocent but that he didn't commit those murders come on (laughs) nobody nobody does that but at the time there was such a political football and they used the media used and and a lot of different activists for whatever reason wasted a lot of political capital Mm -hmm. on um, the, on O.J. Simpson. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm afraid that what's going to happen here is that we're going to see a similar thing. And like you said, they, they're, they're setting it up. Yeah. That's the point, is that I feel like when you take a look at what those charges require and, and proving yeah. through that jury, it's going to be very difficult to attain. Yeah, and they know, that, they do know that. And they want the unrest up to a, up to a point yep. because we do see how much can change with social unrest. That's true. That's and that true. They're, they're pushing for... Um, something that the majority of the public will look at and say that's unfair, but through the eyes of how our judicial system is set up, it was correct or whatever it may be. That they're 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 saying, well, this is a win-win. Either you know he's convicted or he's not conv- he's not convicted, and we see you know an explosion of social unrest like we did last year, which is tragic. Yeah. Mm-hmm. All right, we got to take a break. Back in a minute. All right, the internet is a buzz over the 
Satan shoes from Little Nos X. And uh, Nike is coming out and saying they had had nothing to do with it. Uh, this is, of course, the shoes that contain a drop of human blood. And um, this is to coincide with Lil Nas X's latest music video where he gives a highly sexualized lap dance to Satan. Um, I believe that they said that they were going to uh, have only 666 of them made. Um, and they will Pretty be on a nose, filled huh? with, yeah, be filled with 60 cc's of red ink and a drop of human blood. I have questions. Number one, I thought that this was um, a April Fool's joke. I st I'm still holding out hope <laughs> that it is an April Fool's joke until April 1st, but I know they're supposed to go on sale before then. Um, so I... <laughs> Ugh, this kills me. Um, but I, everyone's upset about it. Uh, Nike's like, listen, they were our shoes, but we like gave them, gave the shoes to this other, uh, what, mischief, this other company, and they're the ones who did it. It wasn't us. It Should Nike be held responsible for this? Does anyone want to wade into this? We've like, got about two minutes like, left. I wouldn't say, if that's how it went down, no, people customize shoes and do all of that stuff all the time. It's a complete market for it. Now, I assume that that was, not, that was what it was, that he was actually working with not Nike, right. um, collaborating, because they do that all the time, obviously, too, uh, putting out some sort of brand. I was like, well, they're getting really uh, edgy uh, <laughs> uh, here at uh, Nike. But now, ha having heard that information, that's just as likely of a story. So, and if that is the case where it's like, dude, we didn't do, that wasn't our setup, that's the, the third party or whatever, which again, that could happen. Mm -hmm. If that's them, then you know, Nike, yeah, they, they, they should be held they gotta, You take a look at these contracts in collaborations. Yeah. They got to have that morality contracts in a lot of these yeah. collaborations. They got to have something, your, your label is going on whatever, the Air Maxes yeah. or whatever yeah. these things are. All right, if you're doing an off-white collaboration and and Nike knows this is going to be a big deal for Nike, you know, they've got to have that with their third-party vendors that yeah. are creating these things. Yeah. It's like I agree. Number 1, we're in they the area should. of COVID. Yeah, I mean, right, it's Nike. <laughs> yeah. They should have it. Like uh, if yeah. if anything, I mean, yeah, that's one thing to say they don't, but yeah, they absolutely should and you think they will cover their tracks. Uh, certainly in that regards where people couldn't just tie their brand right. to like something. And, and, but that's <laughs> not yeah, a statement of, did they, did they release a, a statement of condemnation? Because no. oftentimes what you see with these big brands is they come out and say, look, we understand we respect everybody's right to say what they believe, but we do not tolerate or agree with the statements of certainly so they, they would say that on Black Lives Matter yeah. and everything yeah. else. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, stand well, like, for if, nothing. Well, if you're a conservative and you come out there uh, like we don't, we don't condone any of the true. things this conservative that's conservative is saying. That's very true. <laughs> that's very true. Yeah, well, it, look, Nike has proven themselves that they they've done you know their tests mm -hmm. on where they're going with this. I find it unbelievable that this shoe popped up without them knowing or somebody yeah, within no, the no, creative no, departments know, of Nike. Yeah. That's a good point. And then they come out and they refuse to actually say, look, this goes too far. Because they had another shoe that was uh, a, a more Jesus-oriented yep. one. Yeah. You know, and but this this is just stupid and gross. Like, who's the dude that's like, yeah, I'll put my blood in there. You want some blood? Y'all, yeah, like, it's weird. also a they're over a thousand dollars. Like, yeah. I, I'm not... Like, that's, have you, I mean, bizarre. they're just, I'm sorry, but they're just like yeah, sneakers. Look, like, is, I'm gonna, if I'm going to spend that much, I'm getting game, some Louboutins. Like, that's okay. just being edgy. That was just being uh, really, really Last edgy word. was all that he was trying to do. And, yeah. Uh, you know, here we are. Well, I think it might have backfired. All right, back in a minute. <laughs> I'm still holding on hope that it's an April Fool's thing. I, see, I was like, nah, okay, that, I... Well, no, that was a weird pivot.
All right, don't forget to uh, go to wherever you find your audio podcast. Subscribe, rate, and review the news and why it matters. Um, by the way, I checked, I think this was a week ago, uh, the Lincoln Project. The Lincoln Project was uh, a little bit ahead of us. So you guys need to go and do your thing and make what? sure that we get ahead of the Lincoln Project. I don't know who is listening to the Lincoln Project still other than, like, uh, well, people who might be also interested in little boys. I don't know. Uh, so just make sure that we jump them. Okay. Uh, also, we've got a review today from Tammy Bukta. Uh, let's see. Five stars. Great show. Love you, Sarah. Yako, Eric, Chad, Jason. Watch the show daily. So thank you for that, Tammy. Uh, so remember, get your reviews in. If you write something nice, you might see it on the TVs there. Uh, but really, it doesn't have to. I mean, it does have to be somewhat nice. I'm not going to read it if you're just going to go on and trash me. Although I would appreciate the five stars if you want to trash me and just give me five stars. There's something to be said for that, too. I don't know. Monetize your haters. Yeah, exactly. Oh, I love that. Eric knows all about that. Oh, yeah. Over at uh, Young uh, Rippa 59. Yeah. Follow me. I will monetize you if you hate them. <laughs> all right, guys. Thanks for being here. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. Big thing. I know. Making money off people that hate Thanks for listening to the news and why it matters. We hope you enjoyed the podcast. If you'd like to watch the program, become a Blaze TV subscriber and start your free trial now at blazetv.com.